Hi, it's Dr. Chelsea. Welcome to the Passion for Dance podcast. Last summer, I hosted an online conference called the Confident Dancer Summit, where 20 different dance educators came together to teach a short course on different aspects of confidence. It was a great weekend, and today I've decided to share one of those inspiring conversations with you. One of the summit speakers last year was Mary Went. She's this incredible woman I've had the pleasure of working with a few times. She's the education director for the USASF, or the US All-Star Federation. For her class at the summit, she paired up with another USASF director, Kinshasa Garrett, and they brought together other successful coaches and had a panel discussion. It was all about increasing your dancer's confidence from lots of different perspectives, from all-star coaches, what a college coach looks for in a confident dancer, from a current college dancer and what has helped her and more. I love how this turned out and I'm excited to share it with you. So you actually are not going to hear as much from me this week. Mary is going to be running the show. So I'm going to break this up into two parts. So today here's part one of the Confident Dancer Summit panel discussion with Mary Went and Kinshasa Garrett. Welcome to the Passion for Dance podcast. I'm Dr. Chelsea, a former professional dancer and dance team coach turned sports psychologist. This podcast focuses on four main pillars, motivation, resilience, mindset, and community. Each week, you'll learn actionable strategies, mindsets, and tips to teach your dancers more than good technique. This is a podcast where we can all make a lasting impact and share our passion for dance. Let's do this. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our quick, very quick podcast. We're going to have different people come in for really eight minutes and share what they do to help develop a confident dancer. And so I'm going to start right off. Can Sasha Garrett is the other one? We'll we'll kind of talk a little bit about ourselves and do a wrap up at the end. But we are blessed today to have Danae Soto Barreto. She is one of the leaders in All Star, has been a leader for quite a long time, and she's a mother of a dancer. So Danae, I'm going to get right to the heart of a question. What does your program, which is in Orlando, and you can say the name, of course, what does your program do to develop competent dancers and specifically the next steps after they leave you off the Marley in high school? What do you do to prepare them? Well, first off, Mary, thank you so much for having me. Um, I am currently working with Dance Mania All-Stars out of Melbourne. Um, I actually am one of the only staff members that was not born and bred in Dance Mania. I moved to Melbourne for college. I happened to come across and meet the owner in chance. I um, decided to join uh, open level team. I did not grow up all-star. I grew up studio, traditional studio. Um, and I was only supposed to be on the team for one year. And now almost 13 years later, I'm still there. Um, and it's not anything that I would ever want to look back on. It was the best decision of my life. And I think that just kind of goes to show um, the beauty of all-star and what we do. So in our program, I think one of the best things I want to preface with, I had looked for a program. I had danced. I mean, Mary, you know, I'm from originally went to high school in Texas. Um, drill is huge in Texas. Dance team is huge in Texas. Studio dance is very different in Texas. And when I moved to for college, um, I couldn't find any program that matched the passion of what I did and matched the training of what I did. So I had a dance for almost six years until I met um, Dana and it just kind of worked out. I thought I was done. I thought I would never be able to dance again. And here I am on an open 
Hilton level team, which then coincidentally happened at the same time that I started working at Disney. Um, and it was just beautiful the way everything kind of happened. So with our program, what I have seen over the course of the years, and I, I like to say that I'm the unbiased opinion because I'm not from the area because I wasn't raised in the program. What I love about All Stars specifically, not just our program, of course, I love our program, but what I love that All Star provides is an avenue for everyone. Does it matter if you are the star um, performer, the star student, you have something for everyone. And in the course of the last, I would say six years, even just for coaches, um, I grew personally myself because I was attending leadership courses that the USASF offers, um, which began with impact for coaches. Um, once I took that and that really just kind of catapulted my journey as a coach, as an all-star coach, because I mean, it is intimidating coming in as a different, you know, from a different perspective, different, different training, but to see the opportunities these kids have that just like furthered my love for what we do. So when Bolt and March were introduced for our athletes, I became a huge advocate in wanting them to participate. So for our kids, what we do we are really big on helping them prepare and focus on every aspect throughout their journey with us. For example, um, this weekend is the Ohio State University Dance Clinic, ironically. Um, yesterday, they had a half-day clinic for younger dancers, and today they have a clinic for older dancers. We had some of our youth dancers, youth age dancers, we're talking 8 to 12 years old, that flew out to Ohio for this half-day clinic alongside wow. these dancers, which it kind of gave me chills because one of our graduating seniors is on Ohio State's team this year. She just left this past Wednesday to get to Ohio for this clinic. So they end up seeing each other and the pictures that we receive, they're like looking at her locker. They're sitting in their locker room. They're taking pictures on the Marley. Like I'm getting chills talking about it. And the beauty about it is that it has nothing to do with being on the dance team. It's just getting into their mind the importance of continuing education after All-Star, that it doesn't matter whether or not they are going to be on a team, education is still a priority. And I feel like All-Star has really in the last few years provided this platform for kids in different ways. Um, we're getting ready to head to the national meeting this coming weekend, and I'm taking one of our graduating seniors she will be coming with us and she will be taking the athlete track. She'll be the first of our entire program to really fully take participate in this athlete track. She's a graduating senior and she'll be the first one to tell you she is not she is not the one that's going to like run to the front and on center. She kind of sometimes will lack um, that confidence in herself, even though we know she's amazing. And I am so excited for her to participate in Bolt. I think this is going to be an eye opening experience for her. I am looking forward to her meeting new people. And I think it's the best way for these kids to kick off their senior year. So with her and with our kids, what we do is we actually, um, a few years ago with the USASF and their scholarship that they offer the graduating seniors, one of our alumni won third place. She took that money and she actually returned it to the studio and funded a scholarship for our graduating seniors. So it has been maybe about now eight, nine years um, since we've had this graduating scholarship for our graduating seniors. We collect money at the start of the season from parents. It's all parent donations. And then the studio matches whatever was donated. Um, and that is one thing that we offer just our graduating seniors. We allow them to have 
have a senior solo. We are we do not focus on solos. We are a team-based sport, so we are very team-based. But our graduating seniors, actually, that's one of the things they look forward to. We we push them towards looking forward to this. It's kind of like they're, they're close to their, their life with us to prepare them for the next platform. So long story short, I feel that we take advantage of all of the opportunities that USASF has to offer because it is very important for us to remember not all of our kids in reality are going to continue dancing. They may not be on a team. They may not even be in entertainment. They may not dance again or cheer ever. They may just move on in different aspects. However, nine out of 10 of the kids that have been an all-star will say that most of the things that they learned in their life, their organization, teamwork, camaraderie, respect, punctuality, attention to detail, all came from their life in All-Star. And that is what I think makes us so different because if I take my own daughter who, you know, when I met her was a quiet, unsure child to this, uh, for the better of the term, full-blown diva on stage, I don't even know (laughs) who she is, um, I can thank All-Star for that. And I think it's just a beauty in itself that we are able to provide these kids with an opportunity and a platform to grow and express themselves in a way that is only going to help them no matter what they choose to do after high school. Danae, that was beautiful. And of course, I wish you could stay on longer, but I need you to go and have fun. We're going to move to TJ Mabel, who you can who will be up next, but very briefly, do you mind sharing maybe a contact email? Because I know you're always open to having people reach out to you. Do you mind sharing that? Of course, please. I am huge. Mary knows I love helping any way that I can. Um, I, I That's just kind of my, my heart. So if you have any questions or need ideas or suggestions, please reach out to me. The best email is dsotodance at gmail.com. That's dsotodance at gmail.com. Danae, you are a breath of fresh air and I truly mean this. You are leaving a legacy. So thank you for all. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for everything that's to come. Me too. You're a blessing. Thanks again, TJ. Bye, Danae. Thanks for being on. Bye. Thank you. And I wish and hope by Danae, I wish uh, that everyone could have seen your picture, TJ, before you came on of you and all of your rings. You right, award winning right. coach. And I encourage everyone to go and read your bio because eight minutes will go by you just saying your resume. And I'm I'm not yeah. just kidding people. But I'm gonna go right to it, TJ. Okay. What do you look for as a college coach? How do you see a confident dancer versus someone who's not confident and ready? Go. Gosh, I mean, I do a lot of intel. Uh, for my team every year, um, whether it be recruit workshops, looking at their Instagram, you know, social media is a huge impact on who we choose for our teams these days. Um, You know, I have turned away really amazing dancers that were not quite as the people that I needed to, you know, to be ambassadors for my university. And so um, I think it's important to to recognize that, that, you know, social media is a good thing, but it can also be a, a downfall as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so kind of going back to your question, you know, looking for a confident dancer, you know, I'm, I'm looking for that dancer that is 
really and truly my program personally, I don't like the, the, um, how do I put this? The showstoppers, I guess. Mm -hmm. I like to make them into a showstopper. I want those that are on the edge. They're not quite good enough, you know, but they're, they're not bad. They're just not quite good enough for some of these top tier programs. And that's what I've built my program here. Um, I, I love working with the dancers that are maybe lacking a little bit of confidence. And, you know, so we build that confidence through, through the regimen that we have. And, and it's not always easy and it's not always, it's not rainbows and sunshine, <laughs> you know, it, it takes a, a storm to get to, to that rainbow. But I think when they come out on the other side, it's just an incredible metamorphosis, you know, to see, um, where they started confident wise, you know, and dance ability wise, but to where they, um, they finish our, our program. So, you know, that is, that is invaluable, not only the social media, but I love the fact that you have them see their potential and then you refine them. And now I'm going to talk to you and I've had this conversation and Ken a lot, but here's the thing. Let's just say someone has a male dancer walk in their door. Uh -huh. What? what things do you think they need? What tools do you think they should give them or what should they do in interacting with a male dancer? You were on the forefront of that journey. Yeah, um, you know, I was one of the first college male dancers back in the early years. Um, not the first, but one of the first. Uh, there was a handful of us back then and we didn't have any resources. You know, our, our coaches didn't know, we, they didn't know anything about the undergarments that males need to wear or the, you know, the types of clothing is different than females. And I, I still think today um, we're still in that, in that forefront. You know, there is still a lot that needs to be, you know, clarified and, and brought to light on that. But, you know, male dancers, just like female dancers have undergarments you know, you wouldn't let a female dancer go without a sports bra. You wouldn't let a male dancer go without a dance belt. It's it's the same, you know, um, not being tacky or anything, but it, it's it's true. You know, <laughs> you know, there's there's the undergarments and there's the you know male clothing fits different than female clothing. You know, jazz pants for females don't necessarily fit the males because we don't have hips the way that females have hips. Um, we don't have a waistline the way that a female's waistline goes. So, you know, finding companies that will create a line or that have created a line for da male dancers has been um, a challenge, you know, at times um, it's gotten way better. And by, you know, with, so you think you could dance and, and everything else, world of dance and all that at the forefront, we have a lot more tools than we used to back, you know, in the early years. Um, but especially, I, I would say just, you know, making sure that the, if they are identify as a male, you know, and that is also another topic, a whole another can of worms to be opened. If they identify as a male, then making sure that they are getting modifications in choreography that could be too feminine, um, if, that, if that's not what they're wanting to do, um, making sure that they are not forced to use any kind of prop or palm or anything that they might not feel comfortable using, uh, making sure that they're comfortable in what they're having to wear. You know, the females might have to have, you know, tights and spanks and a uh, sports bra on. Well, your males need to complement that, but they might necessarily might not need the tights, you know. Um, 
and then they may, you know, it really just depends, but um, yeah, so. I love that. I think that the, I think that what people wear does make a difference to them and also making sure that the the choreography is complimentary. I agree with you. That's one of the things that I have seen your choreography on the competition floor and it really is amazing, TJ. And um, you do have males in your choreography and how you highlight them without having them be the focus mm -hmm. is, you know, you are very much driven by their levels and layers. So, uh, and, and I think that it's important that, you know, males can bring a whole different layer to your routine, but it shouldn't be the male show. The males should be complimenting the females and vice versa. It should be one team, one, you know, Pro, you know, product out on the floor. And so making sure that I think sometimes we get uh, uh, coaches can get really heavy and they're only spotlight in the mail or the mail is always in the center or, you know, and there's ways to drive that male, the male dancer or dancers around the, the performance floor um, and still have the, the visual effect. Um, I think that it, it can definitely be done. Also making sure that, um, you know, something that we didn't have in the early years is complimenting uniforms or costumes. You know, a button-up shirt and a tie doesn't have to work for everything or some suspenders. You know, like you can, now we have this, you know, you can complement by um, mimicking what the females are wearing with less fringe and sequin and stones, et cetera, and, and have that, um, you know, that masculine look to it. Sure. And one thing I did want to ask you, Kinsasha, and I wanted to ask you is when your team comes together, they have people that have been successful. They are typically the best dancers on their team where they came from. What do you do team building wise? How do you integrate all of these strong personalities? You oh, have gosh. Um, I think it's important that no matter what level of dancer that I have in my program, they're all treated um, fairly. And they're all treated the same and that it doesn't matter if they are the best dancer or the worst dancer. Every dancer has their day where I'm going to find something that they need to be better at. And so we, we, they, the culture now is that they thrive for those days of, oh, it's my day with TJ, you know, mm -hmm. like, because then they're growing at that point. Um, you know, and, and I tell them all the time, whenever I give them a compliment, I'm like, you better put that in your back pocket because one day you're going to need it for whatever it's your day, you know, and they, and they laugh about it and everything, but it's, it's true, true life. They, they take it out when they need it. And, but um, I think treating everyone, it's, it's easy to get caught, caught up in the talented ones, not getting as much criticism or critique mm -hmm. or feedback. Um, and so it doesn't matter if you were the best dancer or the worst dancer, the worst dancer doesn't always get all the feedback or the, the crit critique and the best answer doesn't go without it, so. I think that's great. Do you mind, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot, yeah. but not just for your choreography, but I know you also do college clinics, mm -hmm. just kind of sharing very quickly before we go to Mary Kate, uh -huh. your email address for people to be able to contact you, TJ. Yeah. Um, you can email me at tjmaple1997 at gmail.com. So tjmaple1997 at gmail.com. TJ, thank you again for being on today. Your schedule is crazy busy. Yeah. And congrats <laughs> again on all those rings. You are thank a force. You. Yeah. Bye. Bye.
Hey, Mary Kate, how are you? Thank you so much for being on today. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, and um, I, just like we've said in all the others, there is so much in your bio, so we're not going to spend a lot of time going through that. But I, we, can Sasha and I did want to ask you this question. You came up as an athlete, and now you're coaching, and you're on a college dance team. Mm -hmm. You are to us what the legacy we want to leave. You are it. So what, um, what lessons did you learn in high school from your program um, in All-Star or both? What lessons did you learn to be a confident dancer, to be a confident leader? Yeah, I would say that a lot of times my coaches would say a lot of it's mental, which it is a lot of it's mental. We practice so much as dancers and as athletes and just knowing that we have it and we have put in the practice for those two minutes that we can absolutely kill it with the 19 other amazing girls on our team and just being able to rely on them. Um, a lot of it is mental, like I said. So before we take the stage, we our coaches would say to inhale lightness and exhale doubt. So we take three mm. deep breaths and we'd inhale lightness and really envision all that light and coming in. And we'd exhale doubt and we just know that we have it because we do have it. And a lot of it is that positive mental self-talk. And I use that even like nowadays when I go into like a job interview, especially like trying out for a college dance team as well, um, knowing that I do have it and ensuring that confidence that I can do this and I'm able to do this and I have the training and the qualifications that I can do it and when it counts to execute it and to show that I do have those qualities to really execute that way. Um, I try to uh, instill that into the dancers that I coach as well. Um, that positive self-talk. I know a lot of times we compare ourselves to other dancers um, and just like, I'm not as good as her or I wish I had that flexibility, but we all have, like TJ was even saying, we all have our different qualities that we bring to a team. So to really know that we have those strengths within ourselves and to have that confidence and that positive self-talk, I would say is something that All-Star really taught me leading into college and college dance team and just college and job, future jobs in general, just that positive self-awareness. You know, one of the things that Kinsasha and I were talking about was that you are a part of the inaugural Athlete Advisory Council. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience or is there anything about that that you want to share? What did you learn? What did you think about that experience? Yeah, that was a super neat program to be a part of. Um, just to connect with other athletes across the nation, um, to know that we aren't alone and to share that same passion. We all have the passion for cheer and dance and we all are all-star athletes, which is something that a lot of people being in like a small town in South Dakota where I'm from, don't understand the dance or the all-star world. So just having that connection with other athletes across the nation and to realize that we are going through the same struggles. I know especially COVID broke out when I was on the AAC. So a lot of us came there as a safe space to share what our programs are doing and to take those ideas from those other athletes, but to also voice our opinions to the head of USASF, which was super neat and super cool to know that we are heard as athletes. A lot of programs, I don't think look at, oh, they're athletes or they just go to the program owner. But a lot of times there can be difficulties within the program that aren't being voiced to the head of the USASF that they might overlook. So that was something that was super neat to go directly to the athletes and to see what they were feeling and to really just relate with other athletes as much as I could and to share my opinions. And that also instilled some confidence too, to say that I do have a voice and I am heard within the USASF. So I would say that's super great. And I would recommend any athlete getting involved with that as well. 
love that. And now you're a coach. So tell us, how was that transition? What's, what's the, you know, how, what is that like now? Yeah. So it's super neat to be a coach, to be on the other end of it. I've been coaching this summer as well as my junior and senior year. Um, but I would just say to also just ensure that confidence. I know I, as a dancer too, had those self-doubts within myself, but just, just reassure the kids that you do have this and you are talented enough and just keep practicing and you will get it. Um, to not have those doubts or to compare yourself to others, but to keep that positive mentality and be optimistic for the future to just really get them bonded and to reach their full potential as dancers, I would say is super neat to see from the other side. And it's always super rewarding when a girl does get a new skill or something to see that like happiness or to and share what I have as what I've learned as a dancer to share those talents with the younger generation is super neat too. If you could give a future coach coming back into her program, one piece of advice about coaching, what would that be? I would say if I had to give an advice to a coach that I would say to just instill that confidence and positivity and to ensure your dancers that they do have it, but also to tell them to get out there and to make them their voices heard. And it's never too early to start. Um, I would say that a lot of people wait until it's almost too late as a dancer to start making those connections, start looking at college dance teams, um, to start looking towards the future. It's important to make those connections early on to build up that resume to make those connections so when the time does come and it is time to try out for a dance team or whatever you want to do with your future that you do have those qualifications and that confidence to go in with the confidence you do need to make that team yes and the this is kind of my last question for you mary kate and i want you to know that we mean this sincerely when i think of all-star dance and in particular different programs, you are a dancer that stands out in my mind. And so tell, tell me a little bit though about the transition from being such a star for your program and all-star to being on a college team. What piece of advice as being a rookie um, mm -hmm. on a college team would you give a dancer? Yeah, so being a rookie is definitely a change. I know for All-Star, I was on the same senior team from sixth grade through 12th grade. So it was a big like jump to just be in a whole different program, have a whole new coach, um, all new teammates. Um, it's really different, but to just know your place and to almost be a leader by a follower, being a follower, to trust the people above you, to really take their advice and take it in, but to still have that confidence, but obviously not overstep your boundaries and just take in what they have to offer. You're also representing your university and you're not re just representing your dance program anymore. You're representing the whole university and the school as a whole. So to really hold yourself to those high standards and hold yourself accountable that all eyes are on you at all times and to just have that confidence and carry yourself around as you want to be seen and how you want your team and your university to be perceived. Mary Kate, you are such a role model. Mm -hmm. And you are the legacy. I can't say that enough that we all love. If you are comfortable, would you mind leaving your email address for people to contact you about any of those topics that I just brought up, if you're comfortable? Yes. So my email is Mary Kate Stotts, M-A-R-Y-K-A-T-E-S-T-A-T-Z at gmail.com. So just my name. <laughs> and you are, we know we're going to be hearing so much more from you in the future. We are incredibly proud of you. Thank you again for being on this call today. Yes. We appreciate you and keep, keep it up, Mary Kate. Keep it up. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to talk to you all. Bye-bye. 
I hope you enjoyed hearing those different perspectives. Honestly, hosting that summit last year was a highlight for me, and I'm considering doing something similar this year. If you'd be interested in attending a free online summit, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. You know, what topics do you want to have covered? What are you curious about? What do you need more help around? Are there speakers that you'd love to hear from? just let me know. You can send me an email at hello at chelseaparati.com or I'm always on the Instagram DMs as well. And I'd love to just hear more from all of you about what I can do to put together another summit that might continue to help and inspire. I'm all about building our community and I think summits are a great way to do it. And it's one way that I get to share my passion for dance even more. So thank you for listening today and keep sharing your passion for dance with the world.